Hey there, welcome to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm your host, Stephanie Long, business coach for nutritionists. I help nutritionists just like you create and launch their business and sign their first high paying client. In this podcast, you'll learn practical strategies to start and grow your nutrition business that you can implement right away. You'll also hear from a ton of guests who have started their own thriving nutrition businesses and share what they've learned throughout their journey. Let's get started. Hi, everybody. Welcome back to the Next Level Nutrition Biz Podcast. I'm really excited to have today Martina with us to talk all about how to do your business bookkeeping. So like a bookkeeping 101 conversation. I know for a lot of you just getting started in your business, it might not be something you're used to doing. Maybe you're used to your personal taxes. And now when it comes to business finances and keeping track of them, you really don't know where to get started. So Martina is here to talk all about that. And let me just tell you a little bit about her and her team. So Martina Morton is a chartered professional accountant and co-founder of Grow CPA, a wife and mother of three and avid runner. Grow CPA is a virtual accounting firm providing accounting services and educational products and courses to Canadian business owners. They are particularly passionate about working with purpose-driven entrepreneurs to empower them to grow thriving businesses, build wealth, and define their legacies. Thanks for being here. I'm really excited for this conversation. Yeah, thanks for having me back, Stephanie. Absolutely. Well, you're definitely my resource when it comes to anything business finances, business bookkeeping, accounting, taxes. Um, And just like I mentioned in the intro, I'd love to just have like a very kind of like beginner conversation about bookkeeping. Um, Just because so many of us, you know, like I mentioned, you know, might have experience with our personal taxes or some, you know, finance knowledge. But when it comes to a business, I it's like the number one question I hear from people is like, what do I do? How do I keep track of things? Am I doing this right or wrong? Do you find that you hear that from a lot of business, new business owners as well? Oh, for sure. Yeah, it's it's a it's something everyone understands that they have to do as part of being a business owner, but there's not a lot of resources or education out there to actually explain what it is, how to do it, kind of best practices, that type of thing. So, you know, we start our businesses because we're passionate about the the craft or the, or the um, service or offering that we can give to the world, but we don't have the background for that financial piece. And it comes with being a business owner. And do you find that a lot of people, when they learn the tools for having proper business finances and recording, um, you know, the expenses and income coming in and out, do you feel like a lot of people build that confidence quickly? Or are there a lot of business owners who almost like, you know, what, what is it like, um, ignorance is bliss. Like they'd rather just pass it off and, and not even look at it. Do you kind of find one or the other ends up happening? Oh yeah. Great question. I think, I think it is kind of one or the other. Um, we see people who have really kind of ignored it for years, but then eventually it catches up to them one way or another. And a lot of the times it's just the emotional anxiety of it catches up Mm. to them. Like they just, you know, they realize, okay, I really need to get this sorted out. I have left it this long. It's starting to um, become a major stressor in my life. It's time 
to get it sorted out. And then there's the other camp of people who from day one are like, they almost anticipate, they realize that if they Mm. don't um, figure it out today, it's going to eventually catch up with them. And they don't want that. They don't want that, have to get to that level of, you know, having a large cleanup to do, having anxiety that they're carrying because of it for so long. So yeah, it's kind of one or the other. Um, but to, to come back to what you originally said, I do think that people build confidence really quickly once they start to get into it, once they develop themselves a system, once they have the knowledge, even if it's just sort of very basic knowledge, just something to give them that confidence that, okay, um, you know, if I just follow this process, then I am, you know, I'm good. I, I know that I can be comfortable with this. Or if I, if I just do this throughout the year and then I, you know, address it with my accountant at the end of the year, I've kind of got that added support system in place. And um, without having, without being, you know, an expert, they're able to still feel that they're doing it correctly and build that confidence and be able to sort of you know, move on and do what they love while knowing that that piece is kind of in the background being taken care of one way or another. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. And I guess just like a follow-up question to that, do you find that a lot of people, the way that their relationship is with their personal finances almost then reflects into their relationship with their business finances? Like, is it almost like a a clean shift where once you're a business owner, like maybe your personal finances, you, you don't have a handle on, but with a business you do, or does it almost bleed into one another? Yeah, that's also a really great question. I think for sure, if you're very organized in your personal finance side, that's the type of person who wants to build that system and organization from day one on their business side and vice versa. Um, But I also find that, and I think this kind of makes sense when you sort of explain it, but, you know, on the personal side, you may, you have a history, a much longer history of personal finances. You basically had your bank account. You've been responsible for your finances since you were, you know, just a young adult, I guess. (laughs) And maybe you have some family that's been um, involved in giving you guidance, or maybe you have a spouse who, or a partner or something, and you have commingled finances. So you don't necessarily have um, full autonomy all Mm -hmm. the time over your personal finance side, or maybe you've made some mistakes and you've carried those like some shame with that forward. So I find if you do start off on the right foot with your business finances, or just at some point, get yourself on the right foot on your business finance side, even if you feel like you don't have a handle on your personal side, or you don't have full autonomy, or you're not that confident in it, you can actually develop some key systems and strategies and confidence on the your business side that you can then kind of bring into your personal finance journey. So I actually feel like it it seems scary. Now we have two sets of finances that we have to manage, but I do see if you frame it that way and if you kind of allow it to be that way, you can actually build some really good habits and systems on your business side that's new and young and just beginning. And you can kind of um, uh, allow that positive that positivity to, to, um, influence your personal side as well. 
Yeah. I personally feel that's what happened to me, you know, kind of, yeah, kind of through my youth, not really having a good sense of money or money would come in and it would go out just as fast as, you know, it came in and like looking at my business finances has given me the confidence to look at my personal finances, you know, over the last many years of being an entrepreneur more seriously and, you know, implementing things like spreadsheets or looking at where the money is coming and going where before that felt like personally to me, like more rigid and rules. And I wasn't, you know, as much of a fan, but now seeing how almost like having some structure and container there can actually give you more freedom. But I was seeing it completely opposite, you know, in my youth and in early twenties. So I think, yeah, just to use myself as an example, I definitely think that what you said resonates and that, you know, you can build that. And I think a lot of people maybe pass judgment on their past behaviors and assume that they're going to be really bad with money moving forward or, you know, depending what the relationship with money um, is or how they keep track of it. And I think, you know, even starting a business is almost like a clean slate to change that story for yourself moving forward. I love that. That's it. You nailed it. Yes, Yeah. exactly. <laughs> So why don't we just start with like actually explaining what bookkeeping is, you know, um, like, and I know it might look differently depending on the business structure that somebody has. So I don't know if you can maybe give us like a simple explanation of what that might look like for a business owner. Yeah. So bookkeeping at its very sort of basic elements is categorizing your income into so categorizing all of your invoices let's say any sales receipts and stuff like that anything related to revenue just categorizing it into revenue categories and then on the expense side the the same thing so taking all of those individual transactions all of those individual receipts and categorizing them into sort of larger buckets so you know um, advertising, uh, office expenses, um, salary and wages, if we're paying people in our business, uh, subcontractors, that type of thing. So, um, supplies. So taking all of those individual transactions and categorizing them. And, um, that's really the basis of bookkeeping. It's just, categorizing a whole lot of expenses into meaningful buckets that we can Mm. then sort of analyze. We can compare versus maybe a previous period. We can compare versus, you know, if we're, if we're speaking with a coach or something like that um, in our industry, we can kind of take a look at what might be typical within the industry for certain spending categories. And then when we put that all together and we look at it on a monthly or a quarterly or an annual basis, we're basically looking at revenue minus expenses to give us our profits. And that's telling us whether or not we're making money or we're profitable essentially, or we're, or we're not profitable. Uh, so that's kind of the very simplistic explanation of bookkeeping. Um, there's also sort of the balance sheet, which is, uh, not income and expenses, but it's your assets. So the things you own and your liabilities, the things you owe. So we like Mm -hmm. to sort of say that it's the thing, the assets, liabilities, and equity. So things you own and things you owe sit on your balance sheet. And would that exist for business too? Um, Like even a small business, like would you have assets within your small business? 
Yeah, yes, you could. Yes. Um, and I know we're talking to a lot of nutritionists. Um, so things, so an asset is anything that has, you know, as its basic definition is anything that has a useful life of more than a year. So anything that, um, like if you're buying, uh, if, I guess if you're setting up an office mm-hmm. and um, you're buying a desk and a chair and maybe maybe there's um, an entryway where there's a table and chair for people who are in your waiting room if, you, if you've got a physical location. Um, those things have a useful life of more than a year. So we can't expense them immediately. And whereas expenses are things that we kind of consume and use immediately in our business. And so we're able to then deduct them from our income immediately. Interesting. Yeah, that's a really good explanation. And would it, would you be keeping track of your uh, bookkeeping differently dependent on like your business structure? So I know you're a Canadian tax expert. So like, let's say if you're sole proprietor versus like an incorporated business, like, would you actually track all of that differently? Or is it it, the exact same, no matter your business model? It is, there is differences for sure. The balance sheet is a lot more important on in when you're incorporated. So when you are filing your taxes as an incorporated business owner, you have, um, you actually are providing a full income statement and balance sheet to Canada Revenue Agency when you're filing your corporate tax returns. So you need that full, fully reported to them. Um, As a sole proprietor, you are primarily just reporting income and expenses, but you do have to set up assets, new assets as you acquire them. You put them into the asset schedules within the personal tax return, and then they get amortized. Um, It's called um, capital cost allowance gets uh, deducted each year on your personal tax return to as an expense essentially to your sole proprietorship business. Um, Other differences is one of the major ones is you as the um, owner of the business, whether or not you are deducting your salary as an expense to the business or not. So as a sole proprietor, you do not pay yourself a salary and deduct it from your expenses because you're just paying taxes on your profits. So your revenue minus your expenses becomes the profits of the business, which is what you pay personal income tax on. When you are an incorporated business, you've essentially formed a brand new taxpayer, a brand new entity in Canada. And um, now you as the owner become actually a employee of your business, or you can set yourself up as an employee of your business and pay yourself a salary. The other way to pay yourself from a corporation is through a dividend. So it, there are some important differences there, but in terms of um, does it change what is considered income versus expense or what is an asset, not necessarily, uh, other than that sort of salary of you as the owner is kind of the the key difference between the two. Yeah. Makes sense. And just, you know, even listening to you, you know, there's so many nuances, like you said, depending like what your business um, model is. And if you're paying yourself a salary versus, you know, not having a salary or, you know, whatever that might be, um, 
So because, because there are so many nuances with that, do you recommend that people work with an accountant at the end of the year to catch things like, okay, this is um, an asset, you know, and this is like an expense that is like, you know, relevant right now. This is income coming in because I feel like for a lot of us, we're experts in what we do. We're experts in nutrition and some of this doesn't come as natural. So do you recommend like doing the basic you know, bookkeeping, keeping track of your income and expenses, and then handing this off to, you know, a tax professional or accountant to find all of these nuanced pieces? Uh, I do think that in the vast majority of cases, when we're small business owners, working with an accountant is very helpful. And um, it really depends on the engagement that you have with that accountant or tax professional, if they're actually going to be going through your information at that level of detail, sometimes they're literally just taking what you're giving them and entering it into the tax software as given and not really doing that extra due diligence for you. So that is something I do recommend that if you are working with a tax preparer, you ask about, or you have a call and have an understanding of these types of Things So you could say, hey, I bought this piece of equipment this year. Did I did I enter it in my bookkeeping correctly? Mm-hmm. Or, um, you know, uh, do you ha- you can even kind of tell based on the type of questions that they're asking you if they're doing that due diligence themselves. But I would never um, want to to sort of blanket statement that just because you're working with a tax preparer or an accountant, they're actually going to be doing that. There's various levels of support and service that they're offering. And it comes with a different price tag at each level, right? So if you have a very low price point for your tax return, uh, you're probably just getting sort of, um, the basic, which would be taking your information, putting it in the tax software and kind of filing it on your behalf. Mm -hmm. Uh, So really you can also file yourself as well. Like we, we kind of encourage you to just do with what you're comfortable with, what, what confidence level you have. Um, And filing your own taxes is being made more simple each and every day with Mm -hmm. sort of AI and, (laughs) you know, eventually that's probably coming for filing your own taxes, especially maybe as a sole proprietor, but the turbo taxes and so forth, like they actually have really good prompts to ask Mm -hmm. you some of those questions as you're putting your information in. So if you feel like you have a really good understanding, if you feel like you're handling your bookkeeping and kind of have, have the basic understanding, you can file your own taxes as well. So that wasn't a one size it's all answer. It was quite blanket or like quite uh, broad, but um, hopefully that gave some context for, for your listeners. Oh, absolutely. And I think it's good to hear that it's not a one size fits all approach, right? You know, some people are going to be more confident to do it themselves. Some people want to pass it off or use a program. So I, I do like hearing that it's not like, oh, a hundred percent work with an accountant because that even might not be in some people's um, accessibility, right? So to know that they can confidently do it themselves uh, with maybe some the right tools, right? The right structure to begin with, because like you said, the way yeah. you're tracking it, you're kind of setting yourself up for that future success. Um, so I'm curious if you have like different recommendations for like how to track or what to be tracking. I, I don't even know if there's like a 
101 like kind of like background you can give us on like here's exactly what you would recommend somebody do when they're starting their bookkeeping yes so I do I would love to just number one rule is separate your business from your personal transactions what do I mean by that it can be as simple as um going onto your online banking and opening up a new checking account. So if you are a sole proprietor, if you're an incorporated business, you have to actually go to the bank and get bank accounts open in your corporation's name. So because it is a separate legal entity, it needs its own separate banking in its name. So, but as a sole proprietor, you and your business are all one. (laughs) And so you could... You could go to the bank and get a separate bank account open and kind of keep it a separate online login and everything for your business. Or you could just open a separate checking account within your existing banking system. Go get uh, another credit card. So go to the bank and get one maybe with just a $500 limit on it. So keep it separate from your personal one, which probably has a $10,000 limit or something a lot larger um, and just use those accounts for business transactions only. So deposits that you're getting or, you know, um, payments that you're receiving, they're going to go into that checking account. They're not going to go into the one that's your personal account, especially if you have, you're in a, in a relationship and you have a partner mm-hmm. and you have like a joint account now all of a sudden you've got all these different deposits and ins and outs from one account um, and that makes bookkeeping really challenging because which ones are business that I need to actually track which ones can I ignore Um, but also if you were in an audit uh, and you were asked to provide your bank statements Mm -hmm. now all of a sudden you're going to have to prove why that deposit um, why certain deposits were recorded as income and other ones were not. You'll actually have to show backup that they are, they have nothing to do with your business. So um, keeping them separate, it just makes bookkeeping so much easier because then you can pull your bank statements and you know everything on it is business related and you can categorize it. Now that doesn't mean you can't keep the rec- you don't have to keep the receipt. You mm-hmm. still have to keep the receipts. So we need to have an itemized receipt for every single transaction in our business. We have to keep it for six years um, from the the latest filing date. So six years of history. And but we can actually um, keep it in a digital format if we if we choose. So mm-hmm. physical receipts can get converted to digital receipts and kept that way. And to be honest, I think it's a really smart thing to do because if you've ever had a receipt with ink printed and you look at it six years later, it's pretty hard to read. So it's, in fact, if you, if you do have it in electronic format, it's going to be there for you in six years time if you ever needed it. Um, So that's, that's good. So yeah, basically then we have everything separated And it just makes our lives so much easier when we go to do the bookkeeping. Now we still have to do the bookkeeping because we just need to take those, you know, individual transactions and categorize them essentially. So that's, that's my number one tip. And if there's one thing to take away from this, um, this interview, it would be that. Yeah, that's a great suggestion. I know when I first started, 
that actually gave me a lot of anxiety personally. Cause I was like, oh my gosh, I have to ho- open a whole other account. And like, do I need to? And for a while I just kept, cause I was sole proprietor. I just kept it in my own account. And it was so messy just trying to look at that. And, you know, for years now I've had separate accounts, separate credit card, and it's just so nice to be able to log in and just see just business expenses and not have to worry. Now, my one question is, um, because this is something I've worried about from time to time, I don't think it's a big deal, but um, as a sole proprietor, what would happen if you did use your your business, you know, card, bank card um, for a transaction, let's say you're out for dinner by accident, you use that, what would that, what, what would happen in that case? You can, it still can be an expense of your business. So in that case, I would recommend that you keep the receipt and just maybe you could write on it that it was on your personal card. Um, You're not, it's, and then you would just put it in your bookkeeping and uh, depending on the type of bookkeeping system you're using, some of them will, you kind of have to double transactions. So you have to do Um, you have to post it to the expense and then where it came from. So you would set up like, let's say you're using QuickBooks, for example. So Mm -hmm. when you're using a product like QuickBooks, you would um, post both sides of the entry. So it would be the expense went to meals and entertainment and the payment came out of a personal bank. Basically, I would set up an account called personal bank. Uh, whereas when you are using from a business bank account, you'll have that if you're using QuickBooks again, as an example, it would be connected. Your bank account would be connected. It would pull that transaction in. And when you're when you're categorizing it, QuickBooks is basically saying that the one side of the entry is the expense to meals and entertainment. And the other side is that business mm-hmm. card. Um, so, yeah, there's not there's no it doesn't mean you can't write it off, it's still a write-off of your business as long as it has uh, a business use. So, Ready to start your nutrition business but have no idea what steps you need to take? No problem. That's exactly why I've created a completely free workshop for you called Six Steps to Start Your Nutrition Biz and Sign Your First Paying Clients. In this on-demand workshop, I'm sharing my six-step roadmap to starting a successful nutrition business without a huge social media following or years of experience. I'll also share the top three mistakes I see most new nutritionists making when starting their business and how to avoid them, and the must-have tools you need to run a successful nutrition business and wow your clients from day one. Oh, and did I mention that the workshop is completely free? Sign up at stephanielong.ca slash workshop and get instant access right now. Okay. And then I guess to play devil's advocate on the other side, let's say you're at the toy store with your child and you pull out your business card by accident and pay for your kid's toy with your business account. Is that okay? Like, we're not going to get in trouble, are we, from the CRA? Like, you know, is it is it all good and fine? Or should you be, like, very, very careful to not do something like that by accident? Yeah. So in that case, it's not, even though it was purchased on a business card, it's not an expense of your business. So when, if you are using a program like QuickBooks um, and it pulls in that transaction, you're going to categorize it to draws. So, which is, so it will not put it as an expense of your business. That's what we, so we recommend, and that's a balance sheet account that would be set up called like personal draws, something like that. And so anytime you take money out of your 
um, business that if you're using something like QuickBooks, that transaction is going to pull into your bookkeeping and you're just going to categorize it as like per, a personal draw. So uh, yes, I, I mean, minimizing that where possible, but it absolutely happens as long as it doesn't get categorized as an, an expense of your business mm -hmm. and actually reduce the profits that you're reporting because of it. And that can happen when say we're using an outsourced bookkeeper and we don't communicate that with them. So they're just using a program like QuickBooks and pulling in all of our transactions and they see that on there and they don't maybe have the itemized receipt. Mm -hmm. They think, okay, well, toy store, maybe you were buying, um, you know, things for your waiting room. If you're a nutritionist mm -hmm. and you have like an office and you've got a waiting room, maybe you were buying something like that. So they're going to maybe categorize it as an expense and it is going to end up um, putting you at, offside I guess yeah. with with the the rules because you're now deducting something from your business that is personal in nature that makes a lot of sense okay so you've mentioned QuickBooks a few times you've mentioned um you know just like ways of record keeping so I'm curious um is that what you recommend uh, is for people to use something like QuickBooks or do you recommend like uh, an Excel spreadsheet or, I mean, I, I do know you also have a product in your business as well called My Digital Bookkeeper, which I use personally and, and I'm a huge fan of. So I'm just curious if like there's a, a best way to record um, your business expenses and revenue. Yeah, for, for me, I think, so both of those products are amazing. And I'll, I'll dive into maybe a little bit more about my digital bookkeeper, but um, it really is what's your budget and kind of how big is your business? What are your business's needs? So it's a needs-based thing, in my opinion, and a budget-based decision that you're going to want to make um, because QuickBooks is really robust system and it, and they keep adding new features. There's tons of stuff that you can do with that program but it comes with a price tag because of it. So it's, uh, I don't, I mean, I, I'll miss, probably misquote here, but I think the cheapest you can maybe get is um, maybe about $35 a month up to about $65 a month. And that's not with sort of add-on features. If you've got payroll or something, that's going to add to it. So um, we're talking about, let's like almost 400 as a minimum per year, mm -hmm. uh, just for your subscription. So, and what we find, we get a lot of people who are using it because there wasn't really much other option, um, but they'll be underutilizing it. They'll really just be using it for say their invoicing yeah, and not the actual bookkeeping aspect of it. And maybe they've made a mistake or two and their bookkeeping is just sort of a mess because of it, because it's it can be a little sensitive that way if you don't know the product. It's just like any of those software programs out there. Yeah. Once you nail them and you know how to use them, they they are dynamite and they can be really killer, but really you know beneficial for your business. But um, sometimes you just don't need that level of yeah, of uh, of the, all those features. So mm -hmm. um, we actually get a lot of people who switch to my digital bookkeeper who have been using QuickBooks in the past for all of the reasons I just said. And my digital bookkeeper is a tool that we created really to try to um, 
bridge the gap between for that small business owner who doesn't want to pay for the subscription, doesn't need all the features, but really their only other alternative might be uh, like a blank Excel spreadsheet (laughs) Um, at that point. And so they're trying to kind of, they kind of understand the concept of bookkeeping, like categorizing expenses and income. And they're just trying to wing it on a spreadsheet themselves and just kind of, um, you know, list out their transactions. So we created it to, to give you that guide and tool um, and template for you. And then it also layers in um, some insights. So it's got a profit and loss report by month on the money insights tab. Once you're done entering your income and expenses, it allows you to enter a tax rate and it will then help you calculate what you potentially could owe in taxes um, and actually allow you to track how much you've saved versus how much you might owe. And it even also for Canadians takes care of um, sales tax. So GST, HST and provincial sales tax. If you set the tool up properly, we have a one hour tutorial that walks you through how to set it up. Um, And we have almost 200 people using it now. So it's been a really popular product for us and uh, comes at a one time price and really good even if you only use it for a year and then you grow and you want to move on to a subscription-based bookkeeping tool it's great for that too because it is one time and it's affordable and it kind of bridges that gap for those businesses that are in that that you know startup to growth stage absolutely I mean I find myself pretty techy and I haven't given myself the time to really sit down and figure out QuickBooks. But every time I look at it, I'm like, it feels more complicated than what I need. And I'd consider myself probably like a medium sized business. So I'm like, you know, I've been doing fine with my Excel spreadsheet that I've used for the last, you know, eight years. And then uh, recently, just in the last, uh, well, last year, I continued using my own Excel spreadsheet. And then this year, I switched over to my digital bookkeeper. And just like the confidence that I have now, like, it's so clean, it's so streamlined, you, I love how you have like categories. So for example, if you wanted to put in like, um, what is it like a an advertising, you know, expense, it, you already have the category set up, and you can just go and kind of find on the click down menu. Um, yeah. And I think that's a piece a lot of people get confused is like, what am I able to expense? And, you know, what can I and what can't I? So, you know, having that like preset list of things that you've recommended there that can be considered an expense have been so helpful for me. Um, So, yeah, I personally think it's it's a great resource, especially I'm just a huge fan of like a tech platform is giving you trouble and it's helping or it's making you avoid doing the thing, then find Mm -hmm. something different. So if, you know, QuickBooks isn't working for someone, switch over to a spreadsheet that, you know, maybe doesn't have the same robustness, but it's giving you, you know, exactly what you need. So yes. Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. It, it, um, I hear you on that piece around almost creates aversion or avoidance because of the complexity of it. And you're like, oh goodness, I'm not ready to tackle that yet. And uh, so removing that barrier, um, it's like removing a barrier of entry almost to like, just say, okay, I can, this is simple. I can tackle this. And uh, yeah, so I love that. Yeah, me as well. Um, okay, you did mention the um, the spreadsheet tracking, you know, like 
taxes for the the year, like your kind of how much you might be owing back to the government, and then also the um, GST, HST, you know, if you're living in Canada, can you just give some parameters around like what would, you know, are you going to be paying tax back to the government at the end of the year, no matter your size of business? And, you know, what are the parameters around charging GST, HST? Okay, so if you make profit, so if your revenue is greater than your expenses, you're probably going to owe some level of income tax. Um, so, or that year end tax bill anyway, because as there's CPP that gets at layered into that year end tax bill as well. So CPP is in Canada is the Canada pension plan. It's not necessarily a tax. It's more of a payment towards a future benefit, but it's all sort of encompassed in that final figure that you're told you owe in taxes. And, um, and we do have a tiered tax system. So the, at, at really low profit levels, you're going to be in a sort of a really low tax bracket. Um, so you might not owe very much, but mm -hmm. basically if you've got profits, so that revenue number is higher than those expenses, you're going to owe some, some form of taxes. And that's where people get, I think, caught off guard, especially, um, as they start to grow, maybe they had a pretty small, reasonable tax bill one year, and maybe they've just, you know, grown by 25% or 50%. Doesn't Maybe they don't think it feels like that much, but because we have this tiered tax system, you could jump into a higher tax bracket. It doesn't mean that your tax bill is only going up by 25 or 50%. Your tax bill could go up more than that so it, because it's not linear right so it's not, not going to go up the exact same amount that you're um you're growing it's going to jump as you as you go into different marginal tax brackets so p that's where people get caught off guard um and this tool can like help if you have a good estimate of what you think you might owe there's uh tax calculators on the internet that can help mm -hmm. you um so there's lots of different resources out there and just but just knowing that i think is really helpful just to have that understanding um to anticipate what what might come and then in terms of your second part of that question around sales tax. So, um, yes, so it's a little bit more complicated than what I'm going to sort of say, but we kind of have this 30K threshold in Canada where if you owe, or sorry, if you make over $30,000 in a rolling um, four quarters, then you need to be GST, HST registered and collecting on your income. Now, I say it's a little bit more complicated because we have some supplies in Canada that are exempt from HST, some that are sales tax applicable, some that are zero rated. So it gets a little nuanced. Um, and also, most people think you have to register on the day that you hit that 30K threshold. It's actually not quite that because um, you kind of you do the government does give you a little bit of time to get registered once you hit that amount uh, in a certain quarter you have some time to kind of get it so it's um yeah it's a little there's some uh, nuance there yeah, as well nuance yeah yeah, no, but thank you for just even giving us that $30,000 amount just so people can, again, this is the importance of tracking what's coming in, you know, to see, are you getting close to that? Is that something you need to look into more? Um, 
you know, kind of to shift back to uh, the amount you might owe back to the government, depending on your income at the end of the year. Is there like, a, I know you said it's, again, there's so much nuance there. I mean, it depends what tax bracket you're in, but do you recommend to people kind of a general rule of thumb, like put 10% away of what you're making every month, put 20% away? Like, is there kind of a number people can use as a, as a reference point? Uh, we we try not to because because of our tiered tax system. So we try not to um, give a guide like that, especially and especially it varies by province. It's different, yeah. So it's really yeah. hard to to give a like a blanket guide um, with our Canadian tax system being so so nuanced by province and then by amount that you make. Yeah. Yeah. So would it just be good practice then for people, you know, if you're getting income coming in, just like put a little bit aside as a cushion. So at the end of the year, you're not owing, you know, a couple thousand dollars that you now don't have access to. Like, it is it just good practice in general to not like use up all of the income coming into your business? Oh, for sure. But I would just if if people are curious and they want and they want, you know, an answer to that, I totally get that. I would just go online and I would say. Okay. I would say, what are the tax rates in my province? And I would pull that up. You'll you'll find um, you'll find a, a table that will show you. Okay, if you make this much money, you're and you want to find the combined marginal tax rates for federal and provincial. Okay. So uh, because there's federal tiered tax rates and then there's provincial, they combine together to make up your total tax bill. So if you just put that into Google. You'll pull up a calculator and uh, that will give you a really good guide. Then you can look at it and say, okay, well, I think my, I, I you know, I estimate I'm going to fall within this bucket. You can pull that number and set it aside. That's really helpful, you know, advice to, you know, use Google as our friend in this scenario to go and take a look. Um, and I think just good practice again to, um, you know, keep an eye on what's going on in, in your business, just so you're not caught off guard at the end of the year and potential, you know, and I find this too, I remember hearing this early on is like, I don't know if this is like, if there's any truth to this, but sometimes like, we almost like stop ourselves from growing in our business because we're worried about, you know, if we make more money, that means I'm going to owe more or, you know, it's getting messier, the more transactions that there are. And we almost like stunt that growth a little bit. So I think just having a good landscape of what's going on can actually allow you to make progress in your business and to, you know, make more money and feel really secure knowing that, okay, if I'm making more money, that doesn't mean I'm going to owe all of this money I don't have and have to pull out of my pocket. Like if we're smart about it, we're setting ourselves and our business up for success. So hopefully this conversation can help everyone just get a good sense of like where to, where to get started. Yeah. And yes, that, you know, sometimes people think, oh, well, yeah, I don't want to make more because I'll owe more in taxes or I'll move to a new tax bracket. And then every dollar I, extra dollar I make, I'll actually end up paying more in taxes. It, it doesn't actually work like that. Um, it might feel like that at, at some stages, but really the more you make, the more taxes you owe, but you still keep more. There's never mm -hmm. a point where you're kind of like giving more to the government um, because you've reached this new threshold. So it's always just taken off the top, but what's left in, for you is still always more as you grow. But you might get to the point where 
you know, it does feel like it's too much tax. It's more, and maybe it's more income than you need to live your life. And that's when you are going to want to seek professional guidance, but it's probably going to be the point in time where you're going to want to look at incorporating your business because that is where you will be able to, um, uh, set yourself up in a tax structure where you can actually, you know, defer or reduce your tax liability and um, gain some real benefits from that corporate tax, that corporation. Yeah, I love that. So then do you recommend, um, again, I'm I'm totally like asking you to make like a blanket statement here. So I understand (laughs) if you're not able to, but um, do you usually recommend people just starting out start with sole proprietor, you know, dependent on maybe their personal circumstance, but is that like a better place to start and then scale up into an incorporated business model if need be? Yeah, generally when, especially when we're solopreneurs and we don't have a lot of overhead, if we're like starting a really like um, maybe inventory intensive, or we really know we're going to scale quickly we've, maybe we've got a lot of partners involved in our business. That's where a corporation might be the right option from us from day for day one, from day one. But if we're a solopreneur, just going in pretty low cost to start our business, pretty low barrier to entry and we're just kind of feeling it out. Um, it, uh, we generally, you know, sole proprietorship is the way to go in that regard because we can change our minds a lot easier, (laughs) close that business, move on, go back to employment situation, um, that type of thing, or, realize, hey, I'm in this for the long run and maybe I need to better protect myself from a liability perspective. Maybe now I'm making more money than I need and you know this is really lucrative. How can I maybe um, have some savings? And that's when you can make the switch to incorporation and do it with sort of that educated um, and insights behind it. Yeah, that makes a lot of sense. Well, thanks so much for sharing all of this information about bookkeeping. I know some of it, um, well, all of it is very applicable to someone just starting out. And you even kind of talked about some next stage things for those that maybe are listening and have been in business for a while and need to know kind of some of those nuanced pieces about what do they do when they're growing. Um, So I I definitely think this is going to be a conversation people will come back to over and over. I did also want to point out that inside my chorus Launch Your Nutrition Biz, um, Grow CPA has been so nice to come in and do a guest expert training on all things business um, finances and bookkeeping. So that's another resource you can definitely check out if you're looking to dig more into this conversation. Um, And also, why don't you let people know just where they can follow you online um, and then also where they can find my digital bookkeeper if they're interested in having that piece to do their bookkeeping for them? Sure. So probably two places is best to find us. So Instagram at GrowCPA. So it's G-R-O-W-C-P-A. Our website is just www.growcpa.ca. And if you go to the work with us tab, it has all of the templates that we've created. So we've created more than just um, my digital bookkeeper. There's some other ones on there starting at just $35 is our 
is our most affordable tool. And then we have our course, um, which is a great product as well. And then uh, ability to apply to work with us one-on-one -on -one if you're looking for um, sort of holistic support with bookkeeping, everything from bookkeeping through to your tax filings. We, we have that um, offer as well. Amazing. I'll put all of that in the show notes along with a link to my digital bookkeeper. I'll be super um, honest. I am an affiliate for it. And it's because it's a product that I love so much. Just like I said, I'm such a fan and so excited to after, I think, eight years using my own Excel, very limited Excel spreadsheet. I'm so excited in my ninth year now to be using my digital bookkeeper. Um, and I just feel like that much more confident going into it. So if I can recommend to anyone to start with that early on, you're going to just feel so good about actually sitting down and doing your bookkeeping and, and the confidence there. So I'll I'll definitely include a link uh, for people to follow you online and then also find your, your digital products as well. Yes. Yes, and we absolutely love having affiliates who have used the tool, you know, have an honest opinion of it. And so, yes, um, your code is STEFLONG10, and it allows your uh, purchasers. So don't go to don't go to our <laughs> website and grab it because you can save 10% using Stephanie's affiliate code. So make sure to grab it that way. And uh, yeah, and we um, are always looking for feedback on our tools and templates and different things that we can bring to um, Canadian small business owners. So if anyone yeah. listening has any feedback, we'd love to hear from you. Yeah, definitely. Give them a follow. So much good information there. Um, and you guys are really making waves in the Canadian finance space. And I love just seeing your business grow. I think it's um a couple years old now. Four, four. four years yeah. old. Okay, there you go. So yeah, I love seeing all the business growth that you guys have had and, and excited just to see uh, more of my community using your templates and resources as well. So thank you so much for coming on. It's been uh, really great to have you. Yeah, thank you so much for having me back. I, it was a pleasure. Thanks for listening in. If you like this episode, feel free to leave us a review, share the episode with a friend or take us on social media. Catch you next time.